0: everybody you know you're in for a treat when you hear that music because it's time for another edition of the rec poker podcast if you don't know what rec poker is we are a free community of online and in real life poker lovers we love learning about poker Uh, we love learning together we love playing poker and stealing each other's chips and it's free to join go to rec.poker and sign up for free today Um, i'd love to thank our sponsors uh, website amp and running aces hotel racetrack and casino And uh, I just got to tell you, I've got the best job in the world. I get to hang out here every week and talk to these wizards about poker. Um, I think I mentioned my name is Jim Reed. I'm Bluff Storini in the home game. You can find out uh, more about me by going to rec.poker slash crew, because that's where you can find out about everybody on the Wrecking Crew, like all these wizards here. So alphabetically by first name, introduce yourself, wizards.
1: Uh, I'm Chris Jones. Somehow I always get to go first. We need to find an an Alfred or Abraham. But anyway, (laughs) I'm... uh chris jones uh you can find me 5b5 on twitter or 5x5
2: on poker Stars.
3: and i'm john somsky i'm poker geek mn everywhere and i'm keith brandt and i am monkey system everywhere
4: uh, i'm kim kilroy i'm fergie 56 in the home game and pet vet pet vet 33 everywhere else
5: and i'm rob washam and i'm Rapman man 50 just about everywhere
2: Somehow I always get to go last. I'm Taylor Moss uh, on Twitter. You can find me at Taylor underscore Moss or in the rec poker home game. I'm go boy TJM. So Probably every need Zeke,
0: we need a Zeke and an Abraham. All right. I think we can zero in. We can zero in on those targets.
4: So
0: uh, every week we get a chance to uh, play. Well, there's a nightly home game. We got 10 home games a week going on here, uh, thanks to John Zomsky. Um, But every week we, on Monday night, while we're playing, trying to steal each other's chips, we also take a post from the Rec Poker forums and talk about it here on the show. Um, This week, the post is actually from none other than website Mark, uh, Mark Prashan, who is the guru behind Website Amp. Uh, but he couldn't be here tonight. So we've intru- we're, we're, we're introducing our friend Eric Anderson. Some of our listeners might uh, know Eric or, or have heard his name mentioned. He's a prolific poster in the forums and uh, he's got a, a great head for Poker Tracker 4. Uh, Eric, thank you for joining the show tonight. Glad to be here. You All can right, find we're...
5: me. I'm E Anderson, 85, in the home game right now.
0: There you go. And look out, folks. He's going to come and steal your chips. Then he's going to write up a filter for you in Poker Tracker 4 and tell you how he did it. So that's Eric. I'm looking forward to getting some insight from him tonight as well. So this post um, left by, like I say, our own Mark Preshon, website Mark, is called "Aggression with Equity." This is from uh, humble humblebrag. He recently played the 140 daily at Aria, so uh, Mark's living his best life. Um, and this was the most impactful hand he played. We're just past the first break. Have about 30k down to about 30 of the 48 entries remain, and people are starting to splash around less and are making more deliberate moves. The blinds are 500 one-thousands. We've got about 30 big blinds, and there's a big blind ante. Um, the villain hasn't deviated noticeably from what I believe to be an average player at this level, except he's made a couple light calls because he's, quote, Wanted to double up or re-enter. We know those players. Some of us are those players. That's okay. They know to have a fun time too. Um, and Mark says that his image is pretty tag, playing about 15% VPIP, almost zero limps, few calls. Hasn't shown any big bluffs, but did give up on a misdraw in the hand about an hour ago. So pre-flop, villains under the gun plus one, uh, opens to 3,000 off a of 22 big blind stack. Uh, Opens to 3x. So that might, I'd like to know if 3x was the standard opening size at the table, because that's pretty big open raise for a 22 big blind stack, but um, we're not sure about that. Folds around to mark on the button, holding the ace of spades, queen of diamonds, and about 30 big blinds. Uh, He says he sometimes 3-bet, sometimes call, this time he calls. Everyone else gets out of the way. We get to the flop. King of Spades, Queen of Spades, Jack of Spades. Again, we're holding the Ace of Spades and the Queen of Diamonds. We flop second pair, top kicker. Redraw to the flush draw, um, to the uh, straight flush, the royal flush rather. And um, we're feeling pretty good about our our flop. I think. Um, He says, "I flop second pair, top kicker, the nut straight draw, and the royal flush draw." Nice. Uh, And then he puts villain on a range. I'll share the range here, and then we can talk um mark figures the range is something like 9s plus ace 10 suited plus king queen suited ace queen off plus and that's what he has to say about that villain c bets 5k into the 8.5k pot and again that feels like that's a that's not a small bet on a board like that that you could probably leverage a lot of folds with a smaller bet so The flop decision that Mark's talking about here is that uh, they've bet 60% pot on a very scary board. have already put about a third of their stack in, and it leaves very few bluffs in their range. Um, He feels like he's got too much of the board to fold. Calling seems crazy. Uh, He ends up shoving. So let's talk, before we get to the results, let's just talk a little bit about the kind of factors we're going to be thinking about here Um, first of all, Mark, great detailed, uh, post here. Um, I love all the, all the information that we're getting and folks, we do the audio podcast here. There's a video component to it as well on YouTube. It's free, but you really got to go see the forum posts themselves. It's all laid out there really beautifully. And you can get a lot more out of it when you're actually looking at the, the breakdown. So Taylor, you were the first person to respond to this post in the, Oh, Kim, can we yeah, just yeah. talk
4: about pre-flop first? Sure. Like can we instead of jumping right into the meat and potatoes of the hand? <laughs>
5: yeah, yeah. Can,
4: can we just sort of go talk about the fact that this is a very large raise from an under the gun plus one player from a 22 big blind stack? Yeah. Um, and what our options are with Ace Queen off suit um when we have them covered on the button. I just think that it's worth discussing because I think that it's not just cut and dried that we just call here. By that's any a great means. point.
0: Yeah. So, and so Mark does say he does have a, uh, he brought a mixed strategy there. Um, but we did kind of just gloss right over that. Didn't we ace queen off suits usually a pretty good three betting hand and you're getting st- the 22 big blinds effective is getting to that point where do you really, do you have a three bet size? That's not all in. Um mm-hmm probably not to a three big blind open, right? Rob, I see you shaking your head. What are you thinking?
5: Oh, yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking at the the chips. There's probably 500 and 1,000 chips out there. So he could have gone 2,500. But so 3,000 is just, you know, one extra chip more than that. So I think if you look at the, the chip content of the chips that are available for him to raise, it would have either been 2,500 or 3,000. Couldn't have been, or he actually could have gone just 2,000 which is probably what I would have done at a 22 big blind stack. Mm -hmm. So does this indicate that he has a big hand with, you know, making it 3000 to Kim's point. And then the only other thing I would say is ace queen offsuit. You never lose your stack with ace queen. (laughs) And I think to my, to my mind, it's never a call. It's either a three bet or a fold. And if I'm going to three bet here with these stack sizes, it's all in. That's all I'm going to say.
2: <laughs> I think just to, to clarify Rob's point, when he said you never lose your stack with ace, queen, offsuit, he means you should never lose your stack with ace, queen, offsuit. <laughs> Not that it is impossible. No, to do. I know from experience. <laughs>
4: To me, me, this is one of those situations in live poker where we really need to have a good understanding of how this villain plays. Like if this person is entering a a lot of pots and they're always entering for three times a big blind, then I think we have options. Definitely have options here. Of everything's an option to me: fold, raise, call, and all in are all options we can make in this spot. And I think that it a lot of it depends on what our, our observance are how we have observed this fill into play in the past. If they're normally only opening two or 2.2, a lot of people squeak that up a little higher when they have a really premium hand and you gotta be really, your little antenna should be going up when that happens. I've seen even pros do that. Like where they just squeak it up a little higher, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that, I think that if they're opening three big blinds from a 22 big blind stack, they're committed to this hand. They're pretty much already committed to this hand. So um, I don't even mind folding here. if This is unusual for this villain. Um, Like Rob said, the call is difficult because we're sort of in no man's land, but folding is probably the, you know, down here, then there's call and then sometimes we should raise. And then maybe sometimes we go all in. And this is a villain that's always opening three times and they're being very, um active i don't mind the all-in either but like to bob's point to raise and not go all in is is a tough with these when they've opened to three big blinds and we're trying to find a an appropriate size because we're sort of committing ourselves to their stack
1: yeah chris i mean i i i, I like i mean especially because we're maybe are like it's an under the gun open whether this is their typical size or not um and and there's this signal that this is sort of a big. Um, but, but we have a decent hand, even if they have a big hand, it's not necessarily just aces, right? They can have Kings, Queens, Jacks, all these kinds of hands that, um, and we've got a decent holding and the, the beauty of this and why I would advocate for a call is we're on the button. Um, and so let's, let's see three, uh, we can still get away from this. We're not losing that much, um, but i i would have trouble folding this from the specifically because we're on the button because that's that's a beautiful hand to have on the button you know you can't <laughs> you can you can really sort of see how it's going you know post flop and you're not you don't have to lose your whole stack i don't think we're i don't think we're committed to this pot uh by calling here
2: yeah i think uh, position is like the main thing for me when i'm looking about this hand and i think you can like at least in my mind uh, if you change just a few things about position uh, it makes me want to swing a different way in terms of essentially like all four options that uh, like Kim was talking about. Uh, If you say, Hey, this guy's under the gun and we're right next to him after doing that, then a fold becomes a much more probable option to me. Um, Given where we're at, I, I don't think I'm ever folding here, but at least it becomes somewhat of an option. If you instead make his the opponent's position uh right next to us, say they're in the cutoff, and then they open to this and then we're on the button. I kind of like a, a small three bet there. Uh their range is really wide, a small three bet entices them to call. Uh makes it, you know, really good for us. If you move our position to the small blind instead of the button, then I feel like calling is pretty atrocious and you should be either folding or jamming. So like, it, like you changed one small thing and then like, I always, I'm like differing on uh, what my preferred option is, but given that they're under the gun, they have a pretty strong range for that open and we're on the button. So we've kind of got that spot of absolute uh, position. I like the call. Um, again, so many things could change to make me want to say something else. Uh, even, you know, if you give us ace queen suited, then maybe um i'm more inclined to three bet but uh kind of just one of those weird spots where we're, we're so close to deviating and making some sort of different decision but i personally uh, like calling here reassessing on the flop, um and uh making decisions then
0: yeah eric uh, you're muted but please unmute jump right in man
1: uh well i i like calling too but the first question you want to ask when you when you want to call from a button is how often are the blinds going to three bet when this happens, mm-hmm. so you you still have to pay attention to who's behind you and
5: who's left to act. Um,
0: yeah, I love that. Always look left, right, because if they're going to be aggressive players, you're just making that pot even more tempting when you come along like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and he doesn't say how long he had been at this table, but I don't know if he would have had a chance to um, get that kind of information. But I love that. That's a great thing to be thinking about. Whether you're, whether and especially with cusp hands like this, where you're not sure exactly which is the right way to play it. So I like Mark's, (laughs) I like Mark's comment in here. He says, I don't think I've ever hit a flop so hard and also felt like I'm not good (laughs) majority of the time. (laughs) It's a, it's a great dynamic because he's got the ace of spades on the uh, king of spades, queen of spades, uh, jack of spades flop. Right. So that's a pretty, um, pretty sweet place to be, but, um, the opponent's range is kind of uncapped and I'll, I'll be honest with you. The sizing is kind of telling me that this player thinks that they have a strong hand. Um, three X off a of 22 big blind stack. I, I play online more than live, so maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but I like the, the games I play and people are opening smaller off a of 22 big blind stack and, uh, a board like this, you don't need a big C bet. You don't need a C bet half, uh, more than half pot to get people to go away stack size or not um so it does feel like again it's a really strong or at least it's a they feel like it's strong so does that influence our decision and maybe maybe the gang here can help me think about this when when i'm playing in real time how do i like apply that sense that i'm getting from them to my game because it's like it's hard for me to like visualize my entire range and say oh, okay well i'll drop off. i'll tighten up this part here because i think they're tighter um taylor i don't know if that's what you were going to talk about or something else but I,
2: yeah i mean i was gonna <clears throat> kind of just talk to the, the flop situation because the flop is a weird situation right like how often do you get uh three to a straight flush out there and have those all be broadway cards mm-hmm. uh it does really weird things to range dynamics when we talk about this uh mark you know put in there kind of a a perceived range of what he assumed our opponent to have Uh, but the thing is like based off all those ranges or you know what most people would say for ranges uh our opponent never has a flush or even a flush draw here which is the nuts in this spot is the flush and the flush draw which Uh, obviously that's due to us holding the Ace of Spades and having the absolute key uh, blocker in this hand. Uh, But when that happens, uh, we actually have the nut advantage, right? There's range advantage, there's nut advantage. He's got a decent amount of uh, really strong hands in his range, uh, but we have all the nut potential. And the thing is, we don't have the nuts, we have the nut draw but we can really make informed decisions about what they're doing uh, with their hand when we can take the nuts out of their potential hands. Uh, So if we know that, then it's, you know, what else are they betting with? Um, Obviously Jacks, Queens, and Kings all in their range. Uh, Ace King in their range, Uh, King Queen in their range, Uh, King Jack suited potentially in their range Uh, and aces in their range all strong hands that you know could get to this spot and um instinctively bet out uh not saying they should be betting in all those spots but like all those hands could be betting out there and the thing about where we're at against that is we're behind all those we probably have (laughs) decent equity but we're behind all those hands so now we're in that weird spot of okay we could represent the nuts uh we do have the nut to draw now, how do we approach? We we have equity. We know we have equity. Uh, we don't know exactly how much. We don't know exactly what our outs would be for set equity. But um, yeah, how do we approach this? And I, I think that's what makes this such an interesting hand and a thing to think about is how do, how does it play out with those range dynamics? And um, I, I mean, I don't think our opponent should be betting that often here. And when they do. I don't like the the big bet sizing especially when they don't have the nuts or the nut blocker Um, and that's what we see here so again it kind of puts a theory into a cage as well so um, I'll pause there and let someone else talk but I think just the the flop dynamics and what's going on is a really interesting part of this hand
4: It, it it really is and I would really like to see this hand and how it would have played out at 100 to 200 big blinds deep rather mm-hmm. than short, because when we have this much equity, and we're playing for this short of stock, we're never going to fold our equity. And as is our opponent, if they have a lot of equity in this hand, they are never going to fold their equity either. So that comes to the down to the points of shoving or whatever, and shoving, calling, whatever. It would be way more interesting if we were much, much deeper in this hand to see how the dynamics would have played out.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Um, And it is interesting, Taylor's point about card removal is really crucial here because you don't get that many situations where you can say for certainty that your opponent does not have the ace, king, queen, or jack of the suit (laughs) that's out there. So when the 10 of spades is the highest spade available, and you think about all the other hands that your opponent would open from early position, and you take out all the spade flush draws that they're going to have there, it is a lot of. Um, it's going to be a lot of like pair, or two player hand, two pair or two pair hands in spots like this, and uh, we just don't get us we don't get an opportunity to have that kind of certainty about the cards that are not in our opponent's range very often. So that's that's a cool spot. Um, so it sounds like we we feel like the the opponent kind of overplayed this hand a little bit by making that big flop bet with the aces. Um. Because it does kind of it doesn't make it doesn't like follow the story you know in in the in the way that we're used to this these kind of bet sizes making sense um did you just spoil the hand Jim I don't think we ever said what people oh did had I? at this point <laughs> oh, yeah bad from the recording yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, we introduced some spoilers in the forums this week too, so uh, now people Perfect can go in. And and that. I, yeah, that's why I did it on so purpose, I, Taylor. That was all part know, of our produced uh, session here that we do. Yeah,
5: even even before <laughs> knowing what his hand is, I think we also understand that on this type of a flop, you you don't expect to see that kind of a bet, right? Especially again, you know, especially if you're holding the ace of spades. What is he? What is he representing? Is he- you know, with that bet, I mean, it just, I don't think I make a, a 60% pot bet on that type of flop, no matter what my two cards are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris.
1: But I do, I do think there are players who make these, they're like what I would, i they're almost just frustration bets where it's yes. just like they had a super premium hand. It's usually you see them with like aces or kings and something comes and then they still are like, but this was mine this was mine and this is not fair. And, you know, they make a big bet here cause they just, and they want to take it down. Um, they probably, they shouldn't be doing that, but I think that this is a, I mean, if I was in this hand, this would be a, a, a one of the pre, like even without the spoiler, this would be one of those like, okay, I'm pretty <laughs> sure what I know what I'm up against here. Um, I don't know. So yeah,
0: play, those. those players don't do that with pocket tens here either right that's not like they're not like it's ex- like it, it really does i've done this with aces myself it right. literally not not on this not not with all broadway but i've been like oh i'm gonna get these aces to the flop and then it comes like eight nine ten hearts and like no this was my hand i was gonna win this hand i will win it now with this large bet um yeah that don't don't uh don't don't try that at home folks uh
3: keith yeah i was just thinking that that um that size of flop bet, that that size c bet, just what story is that telling me? Yeah, I don't understand it. What I mean with it with his stack size, why is he just jamming? If he likes it, he's trying to get value. Um, is he really going to be able to bluff us out of the hand at this point with this? Again, with this stack size, uh, I, it just I would be confused, and I'd have to I, I would have to either jam or call myself. Probably jam over the top of him, just because. I don't see what he's got. And even if I don't see what he's got, I know he doesn't have a hand that beats mine. If I hit, we got great equity here. It's just, to me, it was, it's pretty cut and dried here.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I mean, this literally like when I get confused, I often find that jamming is like my go-to when it's like, you know, yeah. let's, uh, let's, let's see, let's just, let's see how this is going to work out. Um, I would be very tempted to jam here. Because I know he can't have a spade in his hand higher than a 10. That would make me inclined to uh, to jam here. And the only thing I would do differently, Mark, I would uh, arrange for a spade to come on the turn or the river. And I think that's really the only difference. I mean, that's the only mistake I noticed in the hand history was just uh, a little just poor deck read there. Yeah, Chris.
1: Can I make the counterpoint? Yeah. Cause um, I think this is something that I've been really uh, trying to work on as well myself. And like, I still find myself in in spots, not this exact spot, but spots like this. And um, I'm always tempted to jam, but I'm always trying to check myself a little bit. And like, because I just feel like we have position. That was one of the reasons why we called with Ace Queen at the very beginning of this hand. And I feel like there are hands that we could be ahead. I mean, if we're jamming here, right, I don't think we're, there's no better hand that is folding to our jam, right? I mean, does, um, maybe, does Like Kay, a red does ace Queen or a red jam, rather? Maybe Queen yeah. Jack or something like that might fold or something like that. But like, I don't think that there are many better hands that are folding to to our jam. And so then what we're trying to do is get a worse hand to call us. And the only one that I can think of is maybe like tens with the 10 of spades might call us or something. Mm -hmm. So like, I like calling here. I like calling and seeing how this turn develops, seeing how this opponent who's put a large portion of their stack reacts. We get to see both the card and see how they react to the turn before we commit, you know, whatever it is, 15 more big blinds to this. where we're likely behind i totally agree
4: i like i like a call here as well because for one it might earn us a free river if we if we call here it might go check check on on a blank turn um and then if either that or the villain's shoving and we can choose to shut down on the turn with just a pair of queens,
0: he's basically going to have a a around a, a pot size bet left um, on the turn, I think, around there. So that would be the decision point. So if, as long as that's the, as long as we kind of know that that's the decision we're going to have to make on on the turn or on the river, um, then I think that that makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I am also in camp call uh, reevaluate. we're in position this is what we want to do if we we're flipped and we we're out of position i think jamming is uh good here because then we you don't really want to be in spots where we're checking uh to our opponent and allowing them to you know see us showing signs of weakness but here like kim said there it feels like they're going to keep betting but we don't know that for sure uh they could have you know got get scared by something and uh check uh, a turn card giving us a free opportunity to see two uh, two cards for the price here. Um, so I, I think that's ultimately like where I line up on this. and uh, I mean we we're in a spot where, I feel like everyone can like agree with this statement though that like on this flop, we know a couple things. One, we have equity and probably some decent equity. And two, we are currently behind in the hand. Yeah. And those two things make it really weird for me to like want to jam here. Cause then I'm jamming as a bluff, right? It's a semi bluff jam. And everything that we've talked about is like, our opponents got some sort of value. They didn't like the hand and they want to like, just try and win it here and <laughs> giving them an option to do that. So, um, I, I'm, in just call and evaluate uh the one thing that i would do here uh is this is a live tournament i'm guaranteeing our opponent bet really quickly on this flop i am gonna slow down and think and force my opponent to think about the board and what's going on out there and then call Uh, Because if I call quick, they could just instinctively jam, and that's not really what I want to be seeing. I want them to understand the board texture, what's out (laughs) there. Get them, get them to start, like you know, having that like little bit of heartburn, like oh no, what did I just do? What 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 is going on here? So I I, I, I'd go into a little bit of like live uh, showmanship and like slow down a bit. Like I'm not calling super quick. I am going to let them think about this board and then uh, call. So. I love that. Yeah, Chris.
1: No, I just I I love that too. Taylor, Taylor's <laughs> w- words of wisdom. G- give your opponents heartburn and moments you won't don't want them to snap call you. That's right. right.
0: Yeah. That's like Kim Kim was telling us a few weeks ago about that Ryan Leplant tip, right? Uh see if their breathing changes after two minutes. And then that's another way to give them that time. Give them that time to start giving you some tells. I love that. Use that time bank. Um and you should always use your time bank, folks online or live don't no snap decisions take your hand off the mouse think it through then make an intentional excellent poker decision um all right well should we i guess i already blew the uh, spoiler so they did have aces and they tank called and um uh mark did not sacrifice a bull uh, earlier in the day and so no spade came on the turn or the river unfortunately and he lost uh, several chips, but did not go out of the tournament and um, went on to double up. And uh, I'm not sure how he actually did it at the end of it, but I know he had a lot of fun. So thank you, Mark, for posting that in the forums. And I also want to thank um, all these great responses. So Taylor Moss, um, Sir Gasleek, who has been posting more and more, and that's great to see them, uh, a dedicated uh, forum poster uh epictetus who uh some of our listeners might be familiar with who we did a forum post from him a few weeks ago uh five by five our own chris jones and eric anderson here who shared a sympathetic note about uh, drawing to the royal flesh so the last question for the group so do when you're drawing to a royal flesh are you stickier than when you're then the EV would imply, then the equity would imply. Is there something in your minds when the Royals on the table that's like, I'm, I'm just going to, I know I shouldn't call, but I'm, I just want to see if I'm going to hit the
3: Royal flush, Keith? It's glory equity.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes it more equity. worth the call. <laughs>
3: that's true.
0: You know, we talk about like life EV too, right? Yeah, Rob?
5: Well, I'm just saying it's a, it's a gut shot to the royal. You know, yeah. If it was an open-ended to the royal, that might be a little different story. But it's a gut shot to the royal. Come on, all it is is a gut shot, straight flush draw. So, I think your most of your equity is on the flush draw itself. I mean, obviously, now I can say that because I've never ever had a royal flush. So, mm. in, you know, in all the poker I've ever played, I've never had one. So. I don't get that excited because I've never seen one. As far as you're concerned, they might
0: not even exist. They exist I only think it's in the a mind. Of, they don't
5: yeah. even exist.
0: <laughs> right on. Well, uh, we exist here at Rec Poker because of our wonderful sponsors, including website Mark himself at uh, Website Amp, and of course our friends at Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. So thank you to Keith, John, Rob, Kim, Eric, Taylor, and Chris, uh, Steve Fredland, and all you listeners. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.